Welcome back for season two of Everyday Business Solutions. My name is Haley Morris. I'm your podcast coordinator and host. Our podcast aims to bring the expertise of business professionals straight to your ears. And for this season, we're going to be talking about important connections and how you can utilize them to elevate your career to the next level. If that's something that you're interested in, just keep listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Everyday Business Solutions. My name is Haley. I have today with me Victoria Valle. Very good. Yes. Yay. (laughs) I'm getting better. I feel like I'm I'm one of those people really bad with names. So we have Victoria with us today from Danbury, and we're actually going to dive into what she does as a profession and how she remains competitive in her industry. I'm sure we're all familiar with just how saturated the realtor industry can be as a profession. And of course, right now, there might be a lot of people moving and it is certainly an interesting time to talk about it. So I'm going to let Victoria introduce herself and we'll go from there. Hi, I'm Victoria Valle with Luxian Home Team and the Danbury Company. I've been in the business since 1999 and we specialize in the upper end luxury homes. We made that a niche probably in around 2009, 2010. And we do all price points, but our specialty is that upper end. And it works really well because those that, you know, are not, they still get the benefit of the entire team and all the processes that we go through. So it, you know, works for everyone. So how did you end up specializing in that particular side of the industry? Back in 09 or so is when I went to a lot of different conferences and things like that. And so it just like setting goals or anything that you do in your life, when you try to be something of everything, you can't do it and do it well. Um, so the best way to go about it was that you is to create some type of niche marketing that set you apart from the others. And so at that point, um, decided that we wanted to specialize in the higher end homes and learn everything that we could about them and went that route. It's really cool to hear. I know it's one of the things I'm coming into marketing as a newer professional and that I'm learning is you have to learn how to speak directly to a consumer. And if you're not niched down like that, you're never going to be able to speak directly to them because you don't know what they're seeking. So it's certainly interesting. What has that journey been like for you? Like, how did you transition into doing the luxury market? Um, Well, we started with branding. Um, At that time, I really focused on our branding and our name at that time was Victoria's Luxury Home Team. So then we hired a branding company, created brochures, Um, our business cards and everything to really focus on that. And at that time, I also started a, like a luxury home group within the realtors. So I went through and I researched all the realtors um, and tried to pick out the ones who sold the most amount of high-end homes. And it was when the market was really tough. It was the opposite of what it is now, that the market was a decline and we were having trouble selling houses. Um, So once a month, we would all get together and we would tour our listings in that upper end because they were so hard to sell. 
And that allowed you to get the top agents, the ones that were most likely going to sell your property through your property. What we also did is we all discussed the things about the home and the pricing and was able to give that feedback to that listing agent. Um, and it worked really well because when agents have agent opens, um, the top end agents just don't have the kind of time to go to those. So your success rate of having one was you would get a lot of the agents that had more time, but didn't necessarily have the buyer for that clientele. But when I switched the group to say, we're not doing lunch, we're not doing breakfast, we're going to get in, we're going to get out. Um, it gave us also a chance for all of us to connect. So the camaraderie between us played very, plays very well too, because we connected with each other. We like working with each other and we got the feedback from each other. Um, at that point that gave me, so even if I didn't have the buyers, it gave me a wealth of knowledge to get into all of the high end homes where otherwise you're only going to get into them if you had a buyer. And so then I started to learn everything about the high-end homes from my counterparts and get into them and hear their comments, which then educated us on the market um, and going through. So since then, as the market got much better, most of us then got too busy and then started to say that the group and the purpose of it, you know, we outgrew it, that you know, at the time. And so the group is no longer, we're no longer doing that. Um, but just mainly because we outgrew it and that necessity of trying to get agents through because your house wouldn't sell um, was needed at that time. Wow. It's really interesting to see how niching down didn't just affect how you interacted with um, the market itself, but how your team dynamic shifted, how you were able to say, okay, we have different people handling this type of clientele. So we have to interact differently versus just taking the standard old approaches, like you mentioned. So that was very interesting because that's not one side I think that we often think about when we're talking about niching down or establishing a stronger brand identity is how it'll affect you internally as well. Mm -hmm. So how does, how big is your team, by the way? I have, um, I've got one are two full-time agents, John and Brandy and myself, and then we have two administrative staff. So there's five of us total. Um, Angie does the transactions, Max does the listings. Um, Max does a lot. We do, we just in the past, let's say year, um, added a software program that I expect will change our entire business. And I've been focusing a lot of my time in putting that software together. Um, and Max has been helping me on that while Angie takes care of the transactions and the marketing and social media. Um, and then John works a lot of the buyers and Brandy does a little bit of both. Wow, that's really cool. I know software definitely does change things. It can have a large learning curve, but then the before and after is sometimes so crazy to see. Well, and that's what too, because we do so many things over and over. So how to find automation, because what I also found was human error caused a lot of problems. And so remembering it. So if we can find a way to automate some things, we won't have the human error, but then taking that one step further is we don't want to be an automated team and mm -hmm. just have everything come. 
So with that extra time, the automation gives us that allows us to have that personal connection and that personal touch and talk to the clients and, um, you know, really get to know them and spend that time with them where before we got so busy that it was, there just wasn't enough time in the day for me to have an interaction with you. It was really all business of, you know what, I got to get to this and get to this and here's where we're at. Okay. I got to go. Cause I got to go do this. Um, and now that automation takes care of a lot of that. And um, so we've got that time to, you know, to have fun with our job where, um, and so we're all loving it. That's awesome. I know one of the things that we strive to do, we're a software company as a whole is put that power to come in and do what we want to do back in our hands versus like getting caught up in all the small stuff, the nitty gritty, um, elbow grease type stuff, which is, is really cool to see it in play for, you know, someone like yourself and you're, you're someone that I can mention your name around the community and there are so many people that recognize it. So it's really cool to see how it's, it's helping you take what you're already have accomplished and elevate it further. Well, and that was too where we came. Okay. So we changed our name from Victoria's luxury home team because I couldn't do it without my team. Yeah. Um, and so we started to get to, let's say if you were going to sell or buy a house and you know, my name and thinking, well, I wanted to work with Victoria. That's who I contacted, but it's not me that you're working with. It's the entire team. We have systems set up so that every client is touched by someone on the team. And it's purposely designed that way, but also so that each person can have a smaller role and they can do it really well rather than trying to do everything. Um, And so that's where I wanted to get rid of that part and change the name. And we picked the name because it's a combination of luxury and vision. And we looked at vision and like, I don't know, tenfold. Our vision and for our clients, our vision for our marketing, our vision for giving back to the community, um, and everything was right in line of where we were. Um, and then taking and staying with that luxury part of specializing in that high end that we're always looking to do something that excels from our counterpart. That's so cool. And it's fun to also, again, hear like, community service and those kinds of things come up because that's a recurring theme between the conversations I've been having. Um, So it's just a really cool thing to see from my side is um, successful people tend to be involved in their community and engaged. And um, you're definitely a show of that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I look at it and I think, you know what, I feel super, super blessed for where I'm at and those around me. And I'm a strong Christian and I believe that I wouldn't be here without them. And so I have to remember where it came from and it's real important then, you know, to give back because without them, I couldn't give and I wouldn't have it. Um, And God trusted me with it. And that is part of that role. It's really great to hear. And it's just, again, really cool to see from my side um, and re kind of reinforcing this common theme I'm seeing of the rewarding side of giving back and that it is just good all around for everybody involved, those who are being giving to and those are who are in the giving position. So it's really cool to see. 
I wanted to ask as far as what you've been doing lately, what do you feel gives you a competitive edge the most in an, in a market like it is right now? Um, I would have to say my experience, my team, um, I, if you would ask me where I think my strong points are, and that is finding solutions. I love what I'm doing and it's, and I'm passionate about it. So I'm always just like the new software program, always out there trying to figure out a better way to do things. Um, or can think outside of the box. Um, so when it comes to whether a seller's selling or a buyer's looking for something, um, it would be, and I, it would be that part of it is that creative thinking and really that passion and that drive that I have for the business, because to me, it's not work. Um, I'd much rather be here than playing golf or something in that nature, that that's, this is where I get my fun and you know, every challenge, every challenge is an opportunity. And so a challenge comes up of looking at it and having fun with it and saying, Oh my gosh, I just got hit. You know, how are we going to handle this? And, you know, this is our opportunity to figure out a better way to do things. It's just hearing you talk and your mentality and your approach to it is such a strong asset for you too. like listening to you talk about it. Somebody who enjoys coming to to work and doing that. I think that's something we all aspire to be is in a job that we enjoy, but also the people that you interact are going to feel that they're going to feel that energy and that passion. And it's so much more enjoyable to work with somebody with your mindset than it is to work with somebody who's just coming to work to get it done for the day. So, you know, the other thing I would say where you asked me what the difference is, um, mm -hmm. and it's also been said to me, and I've realized it, um, is really action. I think we all know what to do, but the difference comes with who does it. So we have the, we have the education, we know we went to different courses, we went to seminars, and ever since I can remember, I've always been one to set goals to implement. I'm huge on one of my favorite books is The Slight Edge. Um, and one that I've just um, read that I really like is the four, I think it's four disciples of leadership or execution for leadership. And so we, our team really focuses and now with the new software of measuring and setting goals. So every week we have a wig and it's the wildly important goal of our main team and what are we each going to do towards it and then every Wednesday accountable of did you do that and trying to keep it simple of something that could be done in a week so I'm going to update 10 contacts in the database you know so where otherwise if we just said update the database it just never got done but now we've changed our whole systems that everything is about chunking and, you know, just doing a small amount. And if, if you do that, it's amazing at what gets done over time. Um, and so that's worked really, really well for us. Wow. That is definitely one of the biggest things that we've probably noticed in the last year, because it's literally been a year that we've been in this chaos and this pandemic 
is that the doers, the people who are willing to act upon the things they know have tended to be on the side that has thrived and found opportunity or managed to remain strong in the face of like the, the shifting markets and the changing demands of just everything, to be honest. And that the people who, who tend to be better thinkers and less, um, less, less of an actionable person, they tend to be the people that freeze and then don't know what to do. And so they didn't do anything or they took hesitant steps that didn't get them where they needed to be. So it is probably one of the strongest things is that you might not always do the most optimal thing. You might not always make the best decisions, but if you're doing something, you're doing something that could work and you're making changes that are going to get you somewhere and going to promote growth and yeah. So, you know, and what there's how I look at it as a learning curve, trial and error of, you know, we go through that all the time with everything, you know, let's try this, see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll adjust. Um, keeping in mind what our end goal is, we spend um, our systems too. We know right now is our busy time. So we spend the end of the year preparing for the next year and having all of our marketing and our different things that are in place so that they auto run. So when we get busy, we can focus all of our time in the business. And when it's slow, focusing it on the business and putting those systems in place so that they do keep running. And that's probably one of the biggest things in real estate of a new agent, that they don't have any business, they work to get it. Now they're working on it and they went up like this. Now they have no business because they weren't working, trying to get it and they were working. So then they go down, then they start really working, trying to generate business. Then they go up, then they work on that business. Now they don't have any. Um, And that consistency of knowing that we have to have all these systems in place in order to have it run streamlined, but be able to take care of our clients during that busy time. Yeah, it is. It's a very interesting thing because I think any business will hit stronger periods of busy time than others. Like we tend to get busy right around the beginning into the year as well. And we have a lot of signups and things like that versus the summer tends to be our slower time as well. And it was really cool coming into this company to watch that they would work on preparing and refining the processes that we have in place so that when we got there, everything, like you said, it can be in place to handle all the influx of customers or to adjust to whatever changes might happen to us versus us being the cause of them. So yeah. it's been, it's certainly been an interesting time. Would you say that, how would you say that last year and the beginning of this year is like different from what you've seen, you know, since I would say, you know, like that, that 2008, 2009 period. So now compared to 2008, nine, well, I would say now compared to the last like 10 or so years. Well, now it's a strong, the inventories, I believe at an all time low interest rates are at an all time low. So, which really creates that demand that was out there where interest rates were still good. Let's say 10 years ago, 
but because of the economy, the housing market, the number of foreclosures and the short sales, um, you know, prices just dropped considerably. So from that standpoint, we had a lot more inventory and not enough buyers on it. Um, if you look at like how COVID affected us, you know, and I, again, I think that's maybe one of the differences during that whole time for, I mean, we were really, once things started to shut down in March and April, and I'm not sure how long that lasted, but May and June. And mm -hmm. then so we had a great end of the year, but it was really slow during that time. And I would say, I think I worked more during that time than I have any other time. And so that difference again, that, you know, my kids, I would be up till two, three in the morning working and I'd sleep for a couple hours and my next meeting would be at, you know, four or five in the morning. And um, so really use that time. Um, and that was all just working on our software program. And um, so where other, you know, it's funny because so many people would say, I'm so bored and so bored. And I was like, so bored. I'm kind of actually hoping this lasts a little bit longer because <laughs> too many things I got to get done before we get busy. Oh my gosh. Now, did you think going into last year that you would be making like adopting software and doing all of the things that you ended up doing during that period? Um, actually, yes because it was a goal of mine for the year before. So I had already spent a year researching software programs, trying to figure out if I could even find one that would do everything that I wanted it to do. Um, then I came to the conclusion there wasn't one out there. So then I researched what would it take for me to build my own. So spent a lot of time on that. And right before probably November or December, um, then I decided to hook up with, um, which everyone, so many use, Salesforce, and they have a real estate program, but you can then customize that program to whatever you want it to do. So even after a year, I am consistently working with a programmer and we're customizing it to you know, our, the way we do business, um, regularly. And so that was where with the IT person of, you know, just customizing everything of that, but I, I am super excited about it. And <laughs> I mean, our whole team is that it works so well. Yeah. CRMs are huge systems when, as they come more, I, I don't want to say standard. Cause generally like I know Salesforce and like ours is very customizable, but like typically how you start with the system is extremely complex. So it's really cool to see you take such a large system and really embrace it and do the time to get it to where you need to be so that you can actually maximize the use. Cause it's, I grew up without technology. I know and maybe my age, people don't always believe that, but like I grew up with my grandma and my great grandma and I played on the same toys that my grandma played on. So I didn't have any technology. And when I first walked into this industry, I was like, this is overwhelming, <laughs> but there's so much potential. And like you said, you want to be able to focus in on what matters for your business versus having to spend every moment trying to catch up with the work. So yeah. 
Now, would you say you see a lot of other realtors starting to look at CRMs or already having adopted something, or do you think you're kind of ahead of the curve on that? Um, I, I think that I'm ahead of the curve, but actually I think I'm ahead of the curve by quite a bit because I, um, before I'd used some different ones and I actually even create, we ran our business off of one note. And when I showed it to different people, they were just like, you took one note and put it on steroids <laughs> and who would have ever guessed that you could do everything that you're doing with it. But we really just outgrew it. Um, and so I, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of different software programs out there. Um, top producer has been around for a really long time, but the frustration I had, it, it was a set program. And so there was not a whole lot of customization and what you would find then if it didn't do what you wanted it to do, then you didn't use it. Um, what I also found, it didn't make things like I, I would measure things, but we hand measure things. So I would spend, not me or someone on the team, hours and hours, and I'm going to guess maybe at least 10 hours a week putting reports together and things that we would hand do through Excel and Access and different things like that, where now, once you enter in the information, the reports just automatically pop up, which how most companies run. But in real estate, you know, sometimes people don't look at us of like a company, you're thinking you're just an agent. So we truly run like a company and um, the reports have been, because if something can be measurable, it can change your results and you can get the whole team um, excited about it and that buy-in and see exactly where we're at. Yeah, I know the ability to like communicate between people or rather not even have to communicate because it's all there in front of you is so cool. And then just the levels of reporting because there's you know I don't I haven't looked at everything the perk of working at software companies I know ours best um but just being able to pull different types of reports versus only having like one type you can pull and only relying on like one type of data you can actually look at uh, you know look at more of a full picture of what you're doing which is kind of cool yeah all right so being in March and being about midway through March, what are you looking forward to this year as far as with your company and with what you want to do? I would say what I'm looking forward to is it running, I don't know if you want to say streamline of that seeing how all the hard work that we put into it from last year of seeing getting to reap some of the benefits of that, that seeing our business grow, but yet not being stressed out and being in a good mood and being able to laugh and just be calm and consistent um, is probably, well, it is my number one goal. And, um, you know, it's real important for me too. My number is to have team resonance that I want to have every member on the team love working here. And that, you know, I work hard, or I think I did, to build them up. And where before at one earlier in my, I was always afraid, like, you know, I don't want to give you too much information, then you might leave, or you're going to do this. And that's not a concern anymore. And then I just look at it and think if I can make this such a wonderful place to work, um, 
that only works for all of us. And, um, you know, and so I would say if I could see what I wanted for this year, it, it would be to increase our business to grow, but to be able to do it all while having fun and enjoying working together and just seeing how the systems work and how it's, you know, it's, it, all that hard work has paid off from the past year. It is amazing to see that throughout our entire conversation so far, your priority has been your team and your engagement. And I think something that's easy to lose sight of is sometimes that aspect of it. Like you said, you want to make it fun. You want to make it an enjoyable place to work. And you are focusing on these operational pieces and on doing the hard work and getting you there. But like, you want to bring it back around to your team, which is just, I don't know, it's a really cool thing to see. You know, that's what people, that's the kind of person somebody wants to work for and with is somebody who prioritizes that aspect that makes it an enjoyable place. And um, your team leaders and your bosses are who make the dynamic of your workplace as much as we want to think it, it is just our hard work. It is so, so important. So, Yes. And, you know, and it, it took me a long time to learn that because I was so task oriented for so long in my career. And it was about what can you get done? And, um, and it was stress, stressful, and it was stressful on the others. And not to say that we didn't have fun at different times, but everything was about a task and getting it done and doing this and being in front of the computer. And what I found too, from my clients that I would work really hard, I would be really knowledgeable. Um, but I don't know at the, after the end that they really remembered me, you know, they were happy with everything that got done and that they knew I had their back and I knew it and it was real important to me, but we never got to connect through that. Cause I was so busy making sure that they were well taken care of. I didn't have any time left over to get to know them and, um, so, and that's where I felt like I really missed out, um, you know, and I don't know, I guess I learned from it. So I don't know if I missed out on it, but of learning to say, you know what, all of that was important, but it's tough. I, there's only so many hours in the day. So now I have the experience. So then I was trying to make sure I learned it and didn't do anything. Um, and so I'd love for it to just everything to just be natural, to not be so mindful of each small detail and really, you know, watching it. Well, you did say too, that one of your, your greater attributes is your experience. And so, you know, I don't think anybody can just start off and have it all nailed down. I think part of the fact that it makes, what makes you so good at it and so understanding of it is the fact that you had to work through the other side first, you had to gain that experience and it gave you that better understanding so that you can be where you are now. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Cause that's where some other, the other agents too, where ever, I learn something new every day that there isn't a day that goes by. So if you compound that with the number of transactions that we do and the number of clients that we deal with um, to make sure that that doesn't happen the next time or to enhance on it, so when, when you're looking or comparing different agents, the amount of it, that experience, you can't really put a number on the value of it, 
you know, or to just say that it's invaluable and you don't really know the value of it till you have a problem or you don't really know that had you went with someone with the experience, you would have never had that problem. But this other person just didn't know. So, um, you know, they don't know what they don't know, mm-hmm. um, which then can create some issues. Yeah. And that is one of the interesting things is you never want to just say, Oh, ignore the people without the experience. Cause then they don't get it. But it is amazing to watch somebody who has the experience and they've not just sat in the industry for a while doing it, that they've taken and like you, they've learned every single day and they've been conscious of that learning. Can you drink real quick? <clears throat> Got a tickle really bad in my throat. Um, but you are learning every single day from what you're doing. And there's something so valuable in that. And like you said, you can't put a number on it, but you don't have to, it shows in your work. So hey, coffee. Like I said, dry season. <laughs> um, no, I definitely think, like I said, I have, I like to talk about what I do with the show and I love to tell people about what we're up to, or who we're talking to. I love to brag a little bit about the cool people I get to meet. And it's just really cool when I've brought up your name that people recognize it and they associate your name with like the value that you provide, which is pretty cool. And I'm sure that's got to be rewarding from your side to know that you are leaving that, that impression, which many strive for at some point in their career. Um, It is, and you know, the weird thing about it is it's not until just recently did I really, and I still have a hard time with it. Did I really see that or look at it that way? Um, And, you know, I I guess that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. um. it's very interesting. It's not something that I think you, you would be able to notice, especially because it's not something that just pops up. Like that's something that you've, you've built throughout your years doing this is you've built that, that reputation, that brand and that connection with your community. So, but it is cool. I love to tell people when, um, you know, just that you have touched the community and people recognize your name and always positive things. Like people always smile. So I think that's really cool. (laughs) But yeah, so if somebody is coming into this industry or somebody is starting a new career as a salesperson or with whatever job, and they just want to be able to stand out and start to kind of build up that experience and build up that brand, that personal brand and the brand overall, what advice do you have for them as like somebody new coming into it? Um, well, my advice might be different than others, but if I, my advice would be anyone new coming in, that there is so much to learn. And I also look at this as when you're buying or selling a house, it's the biggest investment of your life. And I don't think it's right for a new agent with no experience to come in and take that, um, responsibility for someone buying or selling. Um, I think it's actually super, super risky. And I can remember when I first got in the business that um, 
I've always viewed it that way. And I remember going to my broker and just saying, you know what, I need you to walk me through, you know, like this is the biggest investment of their life. And this is only my second transaction. So there's no way I want to make sure everything goes. So from that standpoint, um, hooking up with another agent and getting as much education as you possibly can. So if you look at it, when you first start, you don't have a whole lot of business. And if you want to be in this business and you want to create it as a business and a career and you want it to be, take that time and get as much education as you possibly can. Spend every moment you're not in a seminar, a webinar, a conference, because eventually then, and this was my mindset, I'm going to get so busy, I'm not going to be able to take all of this ongoing training. But I've this is the career that I've chosen. So I've got the time now to take the training. In two years, I'm not going to have that kind of time. And I'm going to want this training and I didn't get it. Um, I did team up. So when I got into the business, I looked for another agent. And I teamed up with Eileen O'Boyle. And she had been around for a long time. And she had a really great name. And it worked out really well for us that I said, how about if I do all the work and she had the business? Um, but originally it didn't work that way. She had open houses and I would go to them and I would just do all of her work. And I didn't charge. I asked if I could pull stuff. And so that gave me the experience and I did it all for free. And again, she would have something else and I'd ask, can I do the marketing of that? Can I set up a website? And in my mind, I was thinking this is going to give me. So when I get my first client, I'm going to know what I need to do. Um, and so after I had done that for a while, she had then said, well, you want to go on a listing appointment with me and I'll split it with you. And everyone was, I can remember in the office was like, I can't believe you're splitting that with her. And, um, and so we went on the first one. And then from that point on every listing that we went on, she would split it. Um, and, you know, but it was probably, so the deal was like, she brought in the business. I did the work. And maybe after a year and a half or so, it started to be that I was bringing in, you know, just as much business as she was. And after two years, I was then bringing in more business from her. So eventually we outgrew that relationship because she wasn't there to do a lot more business. You know, originally it was designed so that she didn't have to. So, um, but it worked super well. And I would say anyone coming into the business if you could find an agent to team up with um, would be your best bet because then people would feel more secure in buying or selling with you because they would know that you had someone directly to work with you and you've got that team name and that backing to it. You also get to experience everything that they're doing, seeing their systems, how they handle things. Um, in our business, we're all independent contractors. So I guess if you want to say fin for yourself and as much as we're willing to help, it's not like going into a company and people are helping you that we're all independent contractors. So you're one, my competition and, you know, and you don't work for me. So that time that you're taking from me and it's not as though we don't help, but it's tough to get a lot of help and rightfully so from other agents while you're in there. Um, so the biggest thing would be, say, 
get as much education as you can and see if you could team up with another agent. That's really cool. And for those who are listening and say, well, I'm not in this industry, you can do this at any job that you are at is realizing where your growth potential is and like realizing that when you start, like she said, that period where you have room to get education, that time is going to shrink the more you get well-versed at what you do and the more you take on responsibility. So take advantage of it, but also like mentors, um, business coaches and things like that are such a great opportunity to better grasp what you could be doing than if you just try to jump in without any backing or understanding or things like that. So I think that is perfect advice, Victoria. And I I don't think I could have really summed up anything better than what you did. So, yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I've noticed too, because I say, you know, I don't know that, of course, I haven't met anyone like me, but when I started, how I mentioned, I, all of the things that I did, I did, you know, if you want to say for free, but I looked at them as this gave me the experience. This gave me so when that time would come and, um, you know, I don't, I don't see new ones coming in. Actually, I haven't come across any that looked at it and just said, um, can I do your brochures? Can I do your marketing? Cause I want to learn how to do it for my own. Um, but if you're, if you're going to be in it for the long run and you really want then, you know, that might be something that gives you that experience that you need rather than looking at it and saying, you know what, how about if I work for you part-time on marketing or something like that? Um, and just, cause I remember I had one guy too. I think I showed them over 120 homes and I was so excited. I'd go into the office and then I would say, going to show some homes and you know, and I, so that way everyone would think I was really busy, but I looked at it and I said, you know what, this gets me to know the inventory. I'm not, I don't have any family in Toledo. I'm not from Toledo and I don't even know how to get around. So even though I don't know if this person's going to buy or not, and I'll tell you, they never did. I spent months and hours and drive time, but I looked at it to say, you know what, when someone else calls me, I can either then talk intelligently about like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that home. Um, I, so then I can start talking much more intelligently about the market, the condition, the homes. Um, so looked at those people, even if they weren't, not to say that you spend your time on that, um, but look at that as saying, you know, there's no time wasted. I just got to learn the inventory of a new area. I got to learn about new houses, um, you know, but eventually then I had to cut that off. And like I said, I, I don't remember what the number was, but it was well over 120 homes and they never did buy. Oh my gosh. I can imagine doing that. I mean, not that I'm not nosy and I love going through homes, but like, If I'm going to do that, I'd be on my own time and nobody else's, I guess, but oh my goodness. Um, Now I bet it's a lot different. You probably know Toledo area better than anybody else. Well, I do know the areas pretty well and, you know, or now, you know, I wouldn't just go out because I know the areas. I don't need that education on the things, you know, so now making sure they're pre-approved and, you know, we're not going to be spending our time out there. Um, 
you know, and getting them the results that they want and not wasting our time. I don't have to take you through five homes because now I know I'm listening to what you're looking for. And I can tell you, you're not going to like that one. I can tell you right now that, um, you know, it doesn't have the backyard that you were looking for. It doesn't have this or that. Um, and again, also that thinking outside of the box that you may, you know, they have the old saying buyers are liars and you have to listen to what they say. And I'm a perfect example. I, in the house I'm in now, I only had one criteria and it was an absolute must. And that was to have a first floor master. Um, well, I will tell you, I'm in a house with a second floor master. <laughs> But if someone was my agent and I said, there's only one criteria and that's a first floor master, I don't want to see anything else that you've got to be able to look past that and listen to them and see how they go through the homes. Because what happened was we went, I saw the backyard and the backyard was just stunning. And at that point, then I said, you know what? I don't need a first floor master that I'm young enough. I can do steps. And it outweighed it. Um, but any agent would have, you know, most likely never have shown me that because I was so adamant to have a first floor master. So those are some of the things too, of being able to listen to those things and knowing when you could possibly go against something that you might've said, this is an absolute must or not. Um, and that way then you're not wasting your client's time, but yet you're hearing, and it's probably the why's not the what. So if I knew why you wanted something rather than what you want is going to make all the difference in the world. Because now if you say why you want it is to have space for your grandkids, I can start to think of space for grandkids is really important. So it doesn't, if the house didn't have the right number of bedrooms or something like that, it wasn't that that was so important. It was space for grandkids. That was super important. No, that's, that is one of the coolest things is when you can start to make that connection and you can start to dive in deep to that relationship and understand the buyer, because I'm probably going to be, I'm hoping to buy a house in a couple of years and I, uh, whoever I work with, I wish them luck. <laughs> um, but I feel like I won't be too difficult once I can see a place and start to like feel out places. But I know looking online, it's really weird to look at houses online because you start getting this grander and grander idea of what you want and it gets a little out of control but um no that's a that's an amazing thing as a salesperson or as anybody who is working directly with some kind of clientele is to be able to make that connection that leap or otherwise you're just talking at a wall almost so all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here, Victoria. And I wanted to thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into this week's episode. And I wish you guys the best week possible and a good rest of your day.